Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positive Vibes Magazine podcast called The World of Positivists, where we talk to positive advocates, change agents, light workers, anyone who's making a difference in society. Today, we have a very interesting person. We have Alexander McKay, and he's going to talk to us about positivity, what he's been through, his experiences, and maybe a little bit about data science, if we're lucky. Hey, Zane, I don't know if people would uh, call themselves lucky to talk about, you know, to listen to talk about data science, but I think when we bring things down to a more uh, human level, it's actually, it's quite pleasant to see the possibilities that can happen with data, but we'll get into that. Um, I'm actually super psyched to be on Positive Vibes Magazine uh, with you doing this, this, this audio podcast because I, I fundamentally believe at my core that in the future, this sort of educational approach that you're taking and this sort of growth in consciousness and being humanity forward, these are the type of mindsets and applications that are really going to help us evolve um, as a group, as, you know, humanity. So the fact that you're championing an effort like this, you know, through, through your own business um, with such an altruistic humanitarian, egalitarian approach, I think it's just a phenomenal mission that you're standing behind. So I, again, I really want to say thank you for having me on here for that. Oh yeah, you know, you're welcome. We're, you know, very excited and grateful for the work that you do in the world. So off of what you already said, my question is, why do you think the work of positivity and altruism and all that stuff you mentioned, why is that important for humanity in, in your perspective? Well, Zane, the, the question you ask, uh, you know, to you and I, it seems just like inherently obvious, like these are traits that any good human being yeah. should embody, <laughs> right? But it's funny is that we, as human mm -hmm. beings, we always have to constantly remind ourselves of our own character, right? And it's very easy for us to toe down certain lines or go down places and turn around and be like, wow, I didn't realize so far I actually strayed away from where I should be. And when we, mm -hmm. you know, when we're considering, you know, the value and the quality of the life we choose to live, that's why we want to look to things like altruism, because, you know, if it goes back to the golden rule, whether you're a Christian or a Buddhist or what have you, you know, you know, do unto others as you would do to yourself. It's like, you know, you don't want to go out and create harm and unrest and unpeace with all these other people and then not try to find that sort of reciprocation or stability in your own life that you're trying to live through your own path of evolution. And these things like altruism, being egalitarian, having those higher moral and ethical values, those are the things that create a more linear path of your evolution and your consciousness of an evolution of your spirit. And frankly, the, the health and quality of life that your physical body takes on every single day. So when you ask, it's like, well, you know, why do you focus on those things? Because these are the inherently obvious things that we see all around us where nature is showing us what these basic laws are, but we choose to ignore them. We're always fighting either as our mm -hmm. own nature or we're fighting nature itself. And we see that with how we've designed, mm -hmm. you know, anything in society from construction or how we run technology companies. It's like, we're always uh, going up like wrestling against a hurricane, but mother nature always wins. So it's like, why fight it rather than learn to move with it? You know what I mean, Zane? Exactly. Um, yeah. I love your perspective and, you know, not fighting with human nature. I mean, uh, mother nature and human nature and what we we tend to do a lot of the times and you know it's unfortunate but i love the idea of you know us working together as a community and also working with nature as a community because well nature does embody us and we thrive from it and i 
don't really think we should be, you know, treating it in the way that humans usually do. Um, so I am enjoying like the uprise and, you know, environmental, environmentalism and all that really interesting stuff because the way we treat the planet Earth, it really is going to reflect who we are. And it's going to, in the very long run, is just going to affect us and our well-being and our health um, and the next generations. I mean, if we keep treating the planet the way we do and just treating humanity, the next generation will suffer and it's going to get even worse if we continue down this kind of path. So I love your idea of, you know, going in this linear direction because we're treating everyone with respect and everything with respect or with dignity and, um, and humanity. So I, I find that very interesting. You talk about uh, community, right? Mm -hmm. And there's obvious benefits to acting as a community. There's obvious benefits to the unification of a collective group and then combining that power towards a single effort. Like if you look at what happens with trees and the fungi that actually sits underneath the earth, there's a large communicative network between those trees and that fungi, and that can happen for hundreds of miles. Mm -hmm. And so that is a concerted effort between all these, you know, uh, species that come together to operate for a collective purpose of their own longevity and evolution of themselves. And nature has these obvious clues for us. The thing is, we just haven't been paying attention to it. So I know now it's time this, the, you know, in this epoch that we're currently in is that we need to come together as a collective group, a unified group to create this, this oneness between all of us, whether it be through our consciousness or our, our efforts of labor or things that we're trying to champion politically. We need to come together and use the resources of our combined power to help solve those problems. And that will be for not only the evolution, the longevity and the support of the individual themselves, but the group as a whole. And so, you know, there's a lot of good benefits between this unity and the super unity that we find through combining those efforts. And so when I think about the future, the future is that, is that sense of community. It's about understanding the purpose beyond yourself and that we're here to learn these lessons and evolve in the best possible manner that we can, because that's what life's mm -hmm. here. It's that training ground for that learning. And we don't want to, no pun intended, but ruin the soil that we walk on because that's not only going to hurt us, but our children and our children's children. And these are quite obvious things, but that sort of systems thinking and applying what we see naturally in nature around us will actually drive a lot of benefit for us when we actually analyze the cause and effect of everything we do day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, I love that. And so I just have a personal question about nature. What does nature do for you despite it, you thriving from it organically or biologically? What do you, how do you feel when you visit nature? I'm, I have this feeling you're a huge fan of the outdoors and, you know, all that stuff. What would you say you are? <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I'm a, I'm a huge outdoor fan. I, in my own sense, I, I get caught up in my own little intellectual world, right? So I'm always doing a lot of thinking, a lot of talk, right? There's just a big, a lot of, you know, head action that's going on. So when I find myself in nature, it gives me the opportunity to ground myself, right? It allows me to find that balance between the, the unseen, very non-physical world and bring myself back down with the physical so that I can maintain or strike that beautiful balance, you know, that yin and yang that people look for. Because if I can have the positive mm -hmm. and the negative and bring it together, that allows me to stay in that state of equilibrium. So when I look to nature and I try and be outside, that gives me a moment not to reset, but to reground myself so that I can rehone that balance that I need to have. 
because when I put in the work and the effort of, you know, running the current company that I do right now, you know, mm -hmm. it takes larger systems thinking. There's a lot going on. You know, it's like, how do all these different dynamic interplays of a decentralized system work? So I have to come back and just slow things down for a moment and live in that moment and reground myself with the thing that actually gives me life. Yeah, I think that's um, very interesting that you talk about. It's not exactly a reset. It's, you know, grounding yourself in like who you are and what you stand by and your thought processing and all that, you know, what's going on in your mind. But to your point, when you said you're grounded in this non-physical world and physical world, can you elaborate more on what that means when you talk about non-physical? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So our, if there's a lot of research behind a consciousness that's been done since the Stanford Research Institute in the uh, early 70s which was then, you know, they later got some contracts from the U.S. Army, uh, the NSA, CIA, and NASA to do a lot of work with the non-locality of consciousness. And what they found is that consciousness actually resides outside of the brain. The brain does not create consciousness. It's something that lives separate from it. So mm -hmm. when we look at the non-locality, this, this world where your consciousness can move throughout time and space freely, that's the area that I'm talking about. So my thoughts, and when my thoughts bind with the collection of other people's thoughts, whatever sort of frequency that might be in the universe, that's the thing that also has to be grounded with what's going on right here, right now in this current time, right? So if I can move my consciousness wherever it might be in, in any sort of sense, whether you call it remote viewing or you get some sort of image through meditation, anything of that nature, it's important mm -hmm. to also come back and reground yourself mm -hmm. with the very physical things that are happening here because both of those things are required to strike a balance. And that is what the definition of what life is, right? Life is not, you know, just 50% mm -hmm. the waking state. You know, Zane, you spend 50% of your life sleeping. So it's important that you pay attention to that dream state, that very non-physical state, because there's a lot that can be learned from it. Yeah. You know, that's 50% of your lifespan when you have oh, yeah. your eyes closed. <clears throat> like, why wouldn't you pay attention to it? So when I come back and you ask me, it's like, oh, what yeah. is it about that, that non-physical area? Well, that non-physical area is that other 50% of my life that most people tend to miss, but I spend a lot of time focusing on and trying to analyze and trying to develop just as much as I try to develop my physical body here to keep it healthy. Oh yeah, I was, uh, so interesting. <laughs> I find that so interesting, especially when you bring up, you know, like the dream state and how that can be reflective in who you are. And really we should be delving deep into dreams and just like that sleeping state, because like you said, we do a lot of our life is dedicated to sleeping. And I think, like you said, the things that aren't, that are non-physically happening in our minds as we sleep, it definitely can help us tap into like that consciousness that we're, is worth exploring for some people. I mean, for all of us, my, my bad, my, all of us, honestly. And so I like it when you have a lot of people who are, are very serious about the interpretation of dreams. And I think it's just a way for you to kind of navigate who you are and, the, and dreams are almost always for me ambiguous and a lot of them are and so I love that there's this idea of interpretation it's not like a one-size-fits-all because you said consciousness moves around all the time in these yep. different entities and layers and I think that's very interesting and you know it obviously will help you uncover who you are and I also love that you mentioned when you're grounding yourself in nature that you're bring on this balance of positivity, negativity. And I want to relay that back to who we are. A lot of the, I am, I'm not sure like what people's interpretations are of our platform, but it is not solely a positive platform. Even though it is Positive Vibes Magazine, we consider positivity as like the essence of spirituality and the essence of spirituality and in a way, morale and balance. That's how we see it because mm -hmm. 
and a philosophy. So the, the psychology, and the positivity is the philosophy because we believe that if you can ground yourself in positivity, when these negative events do happen or when an uncomfortable situation or circumstance happens, you have the tools and like a higher level of being to able to, to deal with those thoughts and those emotions. But we're not solely saying in our, in our messaging that, oh, you know, you should be positive all the time. This is not realistic. And it's not, it's not a, it's not really a good goal. Cause like you said, you want that equilibrium, that balance between like yin and yang and positive yeah. and negative, because you need both to thrive because without negativity, there's no positivity. Well, and think about it. Think about it from a state of learning, Zane. If I only gave you one type of stimulus, you would be completely under underprepared or not prepared at all for any other type of stimulus that might come in for your learning. Or if any new knowledge came by, you wouldn't know how to actually ingest that knowledge and learn from it. So when you talk about being positive, positive is the outcome of taking in thoughts and equalizing them properly and using these experiences as a learning experience, right? So, and I'm a data guy, right? So Mm -hmm. if I want to go back and I want to look at, you know, uh, my dreams, okay? If that was a function of something that I wanted to sell as data on the marketplace that um, I currently operate called Tartle, T-A-R-T-L-E, what I would do is I want to take as Mm -hmm. much data as possible from that dream in. And then from that, I want to do that over a series of many, many nights and see if there are any common threads or commonalities between those different dream states. And then from that, see if I can learn from my own personal understanding, you know, what these dreams are trying to tell me across a period of maybe two weeks for something that maybe I didn't get the full picture in one week, but now as time has increased and I continue to record and collect that data through my consciousness and my dream state, that can teach me a lot about myself and how I can personally evolve and how I can continue to maintain a positive attitude, but still deal with, you know, things that are albeit negative, but use them as a learning experience to then turn them back into something positive. Does that make sense, Zane? Oh, it totally makes sense. No, I love, I love the idea that um, in a way, what I'm getting from you is that the whole entire life process and your being is like a journey. And so those things that, coming into your life that are um, negative that you know it's a learning process and you use that to create something positive or something benefiting to other people and yourself and so I'm really excited you mentioned Tartle because um I'm really excited to hear just about it if you wouldn't mind telling us what exactly is Tartle and how what inspired you to bring on that company no that's super cool so before I I jump into that I just want to double down on what you had said if we look at things that we perceive as negative, Zane. And they come to us and we look at them as a learning experience. Even if it is negative, it's only ever going to have a positive outcome because you've learned something from that event. You've learned something from that stimulus. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at life in that sort of continual educational learning scenario, you're always in a state of constant evolution. And that's exactly where we want to be because we're always driving ourselves to be the best person possible. And so to carry that over, I thought to myself, you know, if, you know, we're doing all this work, when you put labor into something, you should kind of be, you should compensate from that labor, right? You should find some sort of, you know, economic benefit or spiritual benefit or benefit of your consciousness for putting in that time to work on who you are. So when we look at Tartle, Mm -hmm. Um, that's the, the company I currently operate. I had considered something when it came to, you know, online social media. It's like, we are creating 
all of this information out there for so many of these large tech companies, and they're reaping a huge amount of financial benefit from it. But none of that financial benefit ever came back to the individual that was putting in the time to generate that data on social media or through a healthcare record or for interacting on, you know, Amazon's website. That value needed to be transferred back to an individual. So when we created Turtle, the idea was like, how do we allow people to go back and claim ownership of that data that they're creating through these interactions online? And then find a way to compensate themselves for actually interacting online and moving that data from business to business, right? So when we go back to the beginning of this call, we talked about community, right? And the collective efforts, whether we were talking about nature and trees or people coming together. There's a lot that can happen in this world when we come together, even with our data in something that's, it's a non-physical world but that information can help us solve some very pressing problems. So the collective power of us coming together, controlling our information, sharing it properly and getting compensated to share it, not only financially elevates the users that are on the turtle marketplace, but it also elevates people from a humanitarian aspect by helping them solve problems that might be dealing with heart disease, right? Or pollution, or economic issues in underdeveloped countries, or decreasing waste in supermarkets because we know exactly what you know produce Zane buys on a Monday and a Thursday, but doesn't buy on a Tuesday and a Friday. And so mm-hmm. what I envision is a world of perfect information, just as much as I go to bed every night and when I wake up, I record my dreams and try and take down all of that data. I share that with myself, but the turtle, that turtle, it gives you the opportunity to share that data with people all over the globe and get compensated for it. Wow, I love it. And so why do you think people taking ownership of their data and being compensated for it is something positive? And I, I know that may be like an obvious question, but I would just like no, you to elaborate more on why. Yeah, no, Zane, that's, that's a good question. It's, it's not inherently obvious. You know, we, we labor, right? We have jobs. And we need to get paid for doing that work because we need to feel like there's a benefit to the time and energy we put in towards something. And so there's no reason that the data that you create through the time and the energy you put into social media or shopping or anything else you do online shouldn't carry those same characteristics. We all need to evolve in many different ways. And if our life is so much digital along so much physical, we need to make sure that there's also a balance in how we view the value of those two different worlds, whether it's the world of me on the cell phone or the world of me in real life creating a physical product. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell us more on specifically what the company does then. Like, so do you actually work with people who are you know, getting ownership of you know, the data that they put out there? Yeah. So what happens is we bring you, say, for instance, you're a data seller, right? We help you hone in and collect Mm -hmm. and create this data on the marketplace. And then we connect you with the buyers on the other side of the marketplace who are looking to buy your information and analyze it so they can solve their own business problems. So what we're doing is we're creating a seamless free way for you to quickly join a marketplace grab all this data that you have out there, 
put it into like a little packet that can be transported back and forth, right? Something that can be traded. And then you can give that to those people as long as they pay you for it. Okay. No, great. I'm just wanting to is learn that, a lot is more. That, is that clear? You know, like if you saying, if you go into a restaurant and you're ordering food, you pay money to the chef and the mm -hmm. chef delivers you out a product, right? And that product is the food on the plate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, with our thing, you're in the kitchen, you're the data chef. If someone comes in to pay you for that data, you got to send mm -hmm. them the product of the data on the outside, right? And so all we've done is we've made sure that you were mm -hmm. a part mm -hmm. of that transaction that you were otherwise excluded from for so long. No, that, um, that's very interesting. And no, it makes sense because there are so many content creators out there who put in so much effort for their message or their, like you said, business solutions or advice or whatever it is that they're putting out there yep. and they're not getting compensated for it. So it's interesting, the idea of this data marketplace where, you know, someone has this value, which is, I don't know, a business solution or something. And someone on the other end buys that information. And it's like, your message is getting out there more and you're actually being compensated for this hard work that you're doing. It's great. I think that's very interesting. And so, I mean, yeah. How, positive... how long is... Oh, <laughs> no, no, I just want to say it's, it's a positive collective effort. And, you know, we're in over 58 countries right now. And we're continuing to expand at an accelerated rate. And it's beautiful because the more people that join this community, the more power we have through sharing this data and solving some of humanity's most pressing problems. Yeah, no, yeah. The more people we have, the more interconnected it all is and it's this huge network of people sharing you know amazing resources and building yes. this like knowledge community in a way and I love that um so like you said it's like at the beginning when we talked about community I didn't know when I mentioned community that it was going to be such a theme throughout this and like what you do and like what your company does and so I think that's I think that's amazing Zane it's either synchronicity or it's uh splending our consciousness Exactly. <laughs> um, that's amazing. So um, what has been probably the biggest challenge in being like a young CEO like yourself for this kind of company? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, education. It's so important to educate people on a tool because if you don't have the proper education in place, people don't know the value of that tool. You can create something truly beautiful, but if you don't show people where to look for that beauty, then it really is of no value. So the hardest thing has been creating yeah. that content and an educational platform so that you maintain that transparency and that knowledge flow to users and prospective users so that they can see the great value that you've created in that tool, not for us, the company, but so that they can actually enhance their own lives from a financial standpoint and from a more altruistic humanitarian standpoint of sharing that data towards causes that they care about. So the difficulty mm -hmm. is making sure that when you do something, you're always aligning the principles properly, ethically, standing for what is right and making sure that across the board, you never tow away from that line. And that, you know, being a CEO, being a younger CEO and managing something like this, mm -hmm. you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with your teams and you have to be honest with the people that use your platform because the second you lose that goodwill, you're never going to be able to get it back. So your best outlet right out of the gate is to make sure that you take the most you have the highest moral and ethical approach to your design, to your operations, 
and towards your marketing. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing a wave of that, you know, the way you like conduct your company and since social media has made it. So, you know, businesses and organizations have to be so transparent. I, a lot of, you know, organizations aren't really, you know, they're not, it's not excusable a lot of times when companies and businesses conduct themselves in a way that's not ethical. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, um, it's bad because they're getting caught now and things are more transparent. No, it's just saying that you, you should be designing these things in that kind of way already. But now it's even harder to get away with that kind of stuff. And people know now that we really can tell what your brand is about. And I don't remember the statistic, but I know that a lot of younger consumers are more interested in the community-based organization and the brand rather than what the actual product is, which I found very interesting. So I think that there's like this wave of, you know, being an ethical consumer and making good decisions and a business making wise decisions too on community. Yeah. And if we think about it, Zane, why would anybody just want to be an outright jerk? (laughs) You're not going to make any friends. Nobody's going to want to hang around you. You're not going to get really a longevity of benefits from acting that way. So if you're going to operate your company, it only makes sense to operate with the highest moral and ethical values. Why wouldn't you choose to operate like that? You know, there's no reason why nowadays a company can't be profitable, but also beneficial to the environment and to the people that use their system. It's not just about shareholders now. It's also about the stakeholders. The systems are more diverse. You know, they're more dynamic. Mm -hmm. And those are the things we have to focus on. And if we're living in a world of deeper transparency, well, then your best option is to do things that are always people first. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, giving back, I think, is the main thing here. And and it's interesting you say that because I know that there are going to be a lot of people that see it a different way where they say, but there's so many companies out there and so many successful people um, that do conduct themselves in a very, you know, like nefarious way. And they are hurting the environment, but they are very successful and they're happy with all this money or with all this success. To me, to someone who, you know, conducts themselves that way. I don't know if I really see them as being very happy or positive. I don't know if that makes, does that make sense? Yeah, no, of course it makes sense. Listen, we've all heard the term before money doesn't buy happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Happiness is a state of mind. It's a, it's a, it's that quality of life. And, you know, there are some people, there are some bad actors out there in that world that find value in life strictly through the material sense. Mm -hmm. But You can see now just culturally that we are evolving in what we find valuable. You know, if we've begun to realize that this false pseudo American dream is not the thing that's supposed to be chased, but really a life of quality and experience and travel, that is where things are truly headed. And that is the type of community and focus and, you know, leadership aspects that we need to begin to champion because the old the old guard is phasing out and the new guards coming in people need to pay attention to how the value of community and doing good is more than just, you know, more important than the profiteering just by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And I definitely think that there's a, yeah, a huge trend where we, we see a focus on, you know, intellectual quotient versus emotional intelligence. Now we're more focused on emotional intelligence, being empathetic and, you know, understanding that people have lives outside of work and it's not all about the profiting and the 
the hardcore labor that they're doing, there's a lot more to it. And I think COVID-19 has taught people that, which I think is a shame that it took a long time for the workforce to be a, a more accommodating and positive to its employees. Now it's like someone can mention, oh, you know, this and this happened and I'm sorry I wasn't at the meeting. And you may get a lot more of, yeah, we understand things happen. These are, these are you know, unprecedented times. And I really hope that's not the excuse when we come out of this. If, if, if and when COVID-19 does end and we kind of transition back into the workforce, it's not going to go back to the traditional workforce now. I think, it would, I think seeing this model of working at home and working in the office or someone just working at home is just very accommodating to people who, are, people who have disabilities, people who can do the work at home or parents. You know, there's so many different demographics that are affected by this. And so it's interesting you bring up you know, a bit, and I kind of brought up the workforce, but I'm looking okay. at on the internal, I'm, lo I'm looking like at the internal side with it now, because I've seen that where it seems like a, a people are more understanding and accommodating because of the times. And I hope that can carry over after, with this whole, you know, situation that we're in. And I just think that this is a, a good opportunity to like reflect deeply on who we are as a community and humanity and kind of move forward from that. Because I think, I think, you know, COVID-19 was a strong, break that the world needed are we being productive with that break i don't know i'm not well, sure i don't know and you know that's it's that's difficult to tell those systemic effects but yeah <clears throat> what you're talking about is a flexibility of character it's a flexibility of perspective and understanding and human beings we can be quite stubborn we all mm -hmm. know that and sometimes it takes a very drastic scenario to wake us out of our you know our sleepwalk that you know, we've been slumbering around in, right? As like a sonambulist. And so I think that when these events occur, we'll not only be better prepared for events like this in the future, but it allows us to be flexible in our mind and flexible in our operations that, you know, reminds us to be a little bit more human when it comes to things that are stressful and don't fit into the rigid, finite, old traditional model of the workforce and how things were done before. It's like just as much mm -hmm. as how companies need to change in their, how they deliver their products or service to their, uh, you know, to their customers. We also need to change as individuals operating within those businesses that support them and understand that we also need to be flexible with how we operate and how we, you know, treat ourselves and our quality of life, you know, with work itself, right? There's going to be striking mm -hmm. a new balance between, you know, work and life or life and work, however you want to look at that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and so when you talk about Tartle, it just feels very empowering to take ownership of, you know, your labor and what you are putting out there. And so I'm curious on with Tartle, um, what is what, what is something you're working on right now with it? Like, what are some exciting projects moving forward with Tartle that's, right now? Thank you for asking that. I that's a, I deeply appreciate that question. We have been working with our current user base, and we are looking to bring in brand new iterations to the system to make it more user friendly, more educational, you know, better walkthrough processes, and making it less labor intensive for people to come in and actually use that system. Right? So if we can make the tool more user-friendly for anybody in an accessibility format anywhere across the globe, that's when you know you have a winning tool that can really bring people a lot of value. Yeah, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. 
that's exciting. So what's been the made, what's been like the hardest challenge with this project then? So the hardest challenge really in this product is um, making sure that every time we do an iteration in the code, right? Every time we go to make one of those developments that mm -hmm. we do it thoughtfully and that we do not break away from our principal values and how we're designing something and the true mission values of what Tartle is championing for its users. We're mm -hmm. here to be people first. So we always have to make sure that when we are doing redesigns or adding new things into the system, we got to make sure that that benefit is for you. It's not here for the company. It's specifically to benefit you as a person, because that's what the system was designed for. It's designed to empower people and communities of people all over the globe. Wow. No, it's great. Uh, it's so like visionary. I think it's so impressive. And I, I really am excited to, ex to see it explode one day and, you know, become, you know, the way that we handle and see data, especially with, you know, how some of these, you know, companies are not really ethically using data and exploiting people. And I think it's, it's very tragic. And so I love this idea of, you know, using data for this positive way. And I would have never seen it that way. So I'm really excited that, you know, you've taken initiative and um, founded this company. It's, it's very exciting. And so despite Tartle, um, is there anything else you're working on that's exciting? Anything that, any exciting pursuits coming up for you? Uh, any other exciting pursuits uh, beyond Turtle? No, not really. I, um, I do a lot of rock climbing, uh, especially mm -hmm. indoor rock climbing. So my uh, personal pursuits are trying to clear some routes that are albeit quite difficult. And if I can beat some of my personal benchmarks, I'll be pretty psyched if I can do that in the next couple of months. Awesome. Great. I'm curious, since you're such an outdoor activities person, what's been like the coolest or most magical place you've ever traveled to? So uh, New Mexico, where I am right now, is quite honestly the last hidden gem here in the United States. It is a mm. beautiful place that brings together four very specific uh, geologies that uh, come here to this Albuquerque area where I am right now. And it affords me the opportunity to be down in the water, down in the wetlands, be in the desert or be 10,000 feet up on a mountain. And I think just right now at this moment, the geology and the life and the natural surroundings that I find here in New Mexico, this is probably one of the most beautiful places I have ever been, especially here in the continental United States. And I'm happy to be here right now at this time in my life experiencing this. Wow. I've never been to New Mexico. It sound, um, sounds amazing. Um, so what's your, what's your favorite part about it? What's my favorite part about New Mexico? There is, um, New Mexico sits on the major fault line, continental fault line here in the United States. And with that, there's a big geomagnetic output that happens. There's a lot of, you know, volcanic land and it's very fertile land and it's young and it's high energy. And I think that New Mexico is a nice match in its natural geological energy and the electromagnetic output that happens in this area with how I actually operate as a human being. And it allows me to feed off of that land in a grounding sense, but also recharge me and make sure that, you know, everything else is, strikes an appropriate balance for my life where I can do my work, but then be in a whole different plethora of areas or geologies that I choose to be in 
you know, within 30 to 50 minutes of stepping outside of my house. And I think having that sort of benefit is one that would, you'd be hard, you know, pressed to find anywhere else in the United States. Wow. So, sounds great. Um, well, that's awesome. And so, but also I wanted to ask you, since you, you know, touched upon spirituality and consciousness a lot, you're also, you participate in a spiritual podcast, right? That's correct. Yes, I do. So that yeah, podcast tell us about yeah. that and how you got involved with it. I'm glad you asked. The podcast is called um, Higher Density Living. And my thought was I had spent some time recording my own dreams. And through that, I had a lot of self-learning that was not able to be taught to me in school or something I could never learn out of any book. So I felt that it was important from an educational standpoint to teach people how to analyze that other 50% of their life. And so I had spoken with my co-host Jason and I was like, I think we can put something quite, you know, fundamentally fantastic here that otherwise hasn't been available. And we can teach people in a non-dogmatic nature laws about nature and things you can do with your consciousness so that you can elevate who you are and continue to evolve at the best, you know, the, the best possible rate in this lifetime. So higher density living is a function of non-dogmatically teaching people and giving them tools so that they can develop their own consciousness and their spirit and their physical body to the best possible way. Yeah, <laughs> that's so funny because, um, not funny, like, it, no, it's amazing, but it's funny because that's exactly oh, tell, where we're <laughs> Tell me how from. you really just, feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, we're just not coming at it with that kind of terminology, but essentially that's exactly what we're trying to do as well give people the tools to empower themselves and transform their lives in such a positive way. So, you know, you know, our, our podcasts are vibing. <laughs> and so, but there, there's a lot of, um, surpri- surprisingly to me, there's a lot of people who have created such amazing things due to COVID-19 and these positive platforms, mental health podcasts. I've encountered many of them that have come about because of the pandemic. And I think it's, I think it's amazing what some of these people are doing. Um, so, yeah. Listen, there's, there's, always, there's always great things that come out of uh, trying times, right? It's just paying attention and seeing where that light pops up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the people who, especially since this is um, such hard times for people, for people who don't have that light, hopefully it'll come to them one day or they can find it one day, um, just for the it's people all, out there it, who are struggling. It's always there. We uh, just got to clear, gotta clear the mud out of the way, Zane. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to take a nice yeah. long, hot oh, shower. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's why like for me sometimes when i meditate or i go on like these mini journeys it's so it's always so overwhelming or like when i meditate i make it like a hundred images and going through all these different areas because i don't meditate as much as i should be but when i do it's always you get overloaded so... yeah there's a lot going on yeah and i think yeah so i like the idea that it's there we just have to tap into you know ourselves and invest in ourselves but it's hard work. It's not easy. Um, I think that's something too. I think sometimes some platforms glamorize how easy it is to always be positive or to always be prepared for this stuff. It's not easy. This is not like an overnight trip. This is a lifelong journey and, you know, and life is endless. And so it's it's such a journey. So I, I think that's very interesting too. Life requires work. And that's what we're here to do. And through that mm-hmm. working, we learn. And from our labors, hopefully receive benefits. You know, so 
It's all about taking your vision and turning it inward and looking at yourself and really truly finding out who you are. And whether that's through selling your data on the total marketplace or doing it through meditation or going outside and grounding yourself, but always remember, nobody can ever teach you about you other than you yourself. You are your own best teacher. And so you got to pay attention to all the signs that you give yourself. Thank you so much, Alexander, for coming on today to talk about elevating your consciousness, Tardo, your data science company, and we appreciate the work you're doing that's going to empower many people through making their own decisions and elevating their consciousness and exploring spirituality and making their own decisions. Thank you so much again, and we're excited for you.